This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome to the very first forging table. Guys, if you are confused about what the forging table is, go back to the previous episode, okay? So not this episode, but the one right before it, where I go into a bunch of detail about where this idea came from, how it's going to be conducted, what it's going to look like in the future, all that stuff. So if you have any questions, those will be answered there. But ultimately, the mission of Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So at the forging table, you'll see a group of regular guys forging spiritual resilience by digging into God's word. And we're welcoming all of you to come along on the journey with us. So before we get into Galatians one, because I obviously teed that up last week, we got to do some introductions because people don't know y'all. Like I know you barely, but basically this is what we're going to do because you're going to introduce yourself. You're going to give your name. We're going to let people get used to your voice a little bit, but these are the three questions that you're going to answer for the audience. The first one, when and how did you come to faith in Christ? The second, how do you like to study the Bible? And third, how does your brain work? So we'll just work clockwise. So Eric, lead us off. Yeah. Uh, so I came to faith in Christ when I was 10. And uh, basically, I came from a family that didn't talk about politics or religion. So um, that was kind of just, you know, it was just a thing that was off the table. Um, I viewed God as the guy that stood up there and had a lightning bolt ready to take me out. I uh, messed up. But I uh, had an experience with my youth pastor in which he shared um, the upper room where the guys were um, all eating. And then afterwards, Jesus came out with a basin and towel and you know, washed their feet. And I was like, wait, wait, this is God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just a huge shift in my thinking. And I remember thinking, well, if this is, if this is who God is, then that's who I want to follow. And so I, I came to a, a faith that night. Didn't tell anybody because, again, don't talk about religion. And uh, it wasn't until months later that I had an opportunity through my youth pastor to actually express that, get baptized, whatnot. So, anyways, uh, that's how that went down. Um, I studied the Bible. I mean, I like to pour over the word multiple times. Mm. I'll read it slowly. Um, I, I occasionally use commentaries. I try not to just allow them to tell me how to think, mm. but it is nice after I've gone through and studied to see if I'm lining up with other thinkers. Um, and so that, that's, that's kind of how I approach things. And I really like to, I love gathering information, but um, I think I have to ultimately move it towards some kind of application in my life. Otherwise I feel like I'm missing the point on that. Um, what was the last question? How does your brain work? We oh. need to know. Well, um, I, um, I can make very quick decisions but oftentimes we'll ruminate and and think about things for a long time before I do, because I can sometimes make impulsive decisions (laughs) that don't take other people into account. So, but that's, that's the basic. All right. That's Eric Browning. Now, Ryan Horn, let's get it. My name is Ryan Horn. Um, I uh, came to Christ. I always grew up as a Christian. So uh, parents were Christians. uh, Their parents were Christians. I would like to call myself a cultural Christian uh, growing up. So uh, grew up in a very legalistic household. Uh, no drinking beer, no watching Ninja Turtles. That was always great. You know, <laughs> We're going to have to get back to that. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then uh, kind of, you know, lost my way in the faith for a little bit. And then in college, went to uh, another church and got married and then went to a church that was very moralistic. So on the opposite side of legalism. So um, it was very much like grace and go do something, grace and go do something. And so uh, had some problems within my marriage. We ended up moving to Texas, uh, had some guys pour into me and kind of rededicated my life to Christ and uh, just kind of started studying the Bible, started getting to know God through the Bible rather than through works. So um, that's kind of how I've, I've come, come along as a Christian. Um, what was the next question? How do you like to study the Bible? This is going to be, guys, you know, this is the first one. So to everyone listening in the audience, this is the first one. We already forgot to do a bunch of stuff before this, but it's going to be, if you don't like this, it's just going to get worse from here. Okay. So like, here we go. So that's the second one. How do you like to study the Bible? And then how does your brain work? I'm on here. It's only going to get worse. That's right. Um, So I like to study the Bible. I like to look into the history, into the context of the Bible. Um, I like to uh, read it for, you know, we're going through Galatians. I want to know about the Galatians. I want to know who the Galatians are. I want to know why is Paul writing this letter? Um, And so that's how I dig into the, uh, to the Bible. I, um, I, uh, 
really like commentaries. I'll read commentaries by MacArthur, by Moody. I'm really into the reformers like Calvin and Spurgeon. So um, that's basically how I dig into the Bible and um, how my brain works. Um, I'm a pretty emotional person, so I'll probably like be very passionate about a certain thing and really want to drill that in until you understand it, until my face like makes a face where Kyle, will, Kyle and my <laughs> wife will say, you make me feel like an idiot. So <laughs> it's uh, gonna happen. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna happen. A good thing I'm sitting right here, so none of you will see my face. Um, but yeah, that, I, I'm kind of very passionate about something. If I if I feel it and I feel the spirit move, like I want people to understand it, and that's something that I need to grow on and work on is as a, as a believer is you know how do I get my message across? Well, you're so, a, you're a resident Calvinist, and so it's like true. if you're not angry and argumentative, people <laughs> yeah. are gonna be like, is he really reformed? Like that's yeah. that's basically where I'm, we're gonna go. I'm 90 percent reformed because I do not have a beard. Uh, yeah, so, that's also true. But, you yeah. know, you did do one for Halloween. You know, you yes. kind of put the beard on, which is great. All right, Matt, let's wrap up. He can actually still see the questions. So if he misses up, if he messes <laughs> up, he could like, that's, that's awesome. Major I was problem. Like, I should have wrote yeah. those down. Yeah, yeah, you're good. All right, Matt. All right. My name is Matt Grassmeyer. Uh, I mean, the way I came to faith, it's not any, it's not a really great story. I grew up in a home that we were Christian in name uh, and we went to church every Sunday and I was just so busy that I, I didn't have time to sin. And so I just thought I was a good kid. And so like, uh, you know, I go all the way through high school, just, I was so busy doing sports, school activities, everything. And then I just, I hung out with a crowd that, that were really good kids. And so I thought, man, I am also a good kid. I am a Christian because I do not sin. And then I got to college and my world was wrecked. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's like, I don't have anything to do. And I got myself into trouble. And then somebody invited me to church and I've always just been fascinated with history and the Bible is a really great historical record. And so that's always fascinated me. But I, I guess coming to faith was in college. I just kind of made a decision. You know what? I believe Jesus died for me on a cross. I believe Jesus lived a perfect life. And it wasn't a big like moment of fireworks or anything. I didn't really even tell anybody. It was just like, okay, this is what I believe now. And I, I'm a Christian. And that that kind of started to make some things work. And then, you know, I think sanctification, you know, comes into place, it comes into play and in, in grace of, okay, you are justified, but now I'm going to do a work in your life. And that was kind of, that's kind of been a slow thing for me, but um, yeah, it just kind of happened. I just said, you know what, I'm a Christian now. And, you know, I've had guys like you pouring into my life, you know, we've known each other for a long time and, you know, just getting different perspectives have, has just kind of helped me stay on the, with a perspective of, um, running towards Christ and running towards God. So um, the way I study the Bible is I like to read the Bible. I like to listen to the Bible, um, but I also jump back and forth between commentaries and like sermons. Um, Steve Lawson is a big, I'm a big fan of Steve Lawson, um, Alistair Begg. So I like to listen to sermons and listen to commentaries and listen to, to breakdowns of, of scripture. But uh, I'm similar to Ryan where I like to understand the context too. Like what was going on at the time? Um, what is it? What did it mean? And then application part is probably the hardest for me. Um, but that's something that I've, you know, over the last couple of years, I've really tried to dig into. Um, the way my brain works is I'm a very slow processor. Like Caitlin calls me like, a, uh, oh gosh, a slow cooker. Mm. Um, or, a, a, I don't know. What crock pot. Yeah. Crock pot. Thank crock you. Pot. <laughs> well, I like to stew on stuff, but once I get it, like I get it. And then I can, I can talk about it at length, but yeah, I'm, I'm a more of a slow processor. And I also like to ask questions. So. Well, and I, in, in the last episode, I kind of go into my thing and just as a summary. So I became a Christian as a 10th grader, kind of hellfire and brimstone speech, the way I like to study the Bible. Uh, and I've had stretches of my Christian walk where I didn't really read the Bible at all, but I like to have the Bible read to me. So I'll listen to Johnny Cash reading the Bible or I'll kind of read it myself. Sometimes I feel like I go to the commentaries too quickly. And so that's why, you know, I kind of try to slow down a little bit in, in terms of my brain. I, I process things very, very quickly. I can make very, very snap decisions, but then like I can take a 500 page book, read it, and then tell you what three things you need to get from that book, where somebody else has more of an eidetic memory. Um, but before I move on, I'd like to kind of do this where I, I want to kind of say, and to tell our audience why I wanted each one of you here from my perspective, because you know, it's, it's interesting to hear kind of what you guys think. So with Eric, like you have a kind of a calm wisdom. So there's knowledge and then there's wisdom. And I feel like you make calls that are very, very quick but they're wisdom filled, but you're also not like 
you don't get out over your skis too too much. And so I thought that would be good for the group. Ryan, you're not scared to challenge people's points of view. And the thing is, is what we don't want the forging table to be, or really any type of discussion with friends that isn't being recorded. We don't want everyone just agreeing with each other all the time because that gets really, really boring and there's no challenge there. So I think that's kind of what you bring. And, and Matt, I told you this yesterday. The slow cooker thing is right, but you will calmly probe with your questions and you will calmly challenge with your questions. Whereas I'm more aggressive in my questions, Ryan, you're more aggressive like that. So there's going to be a nice little mixture here of, of all those different things. Uh, but before we dig into Galatians 1, one thing we forgot to do before we uh, hopped into this was to pray. So Ryan, if you will give us a quick prayer, then we'll launch it. Yeah, let's do this. Lord, we come to you right now. We just want to thank you for the time that we have together as men. Uh, we just hope that your word gets out to the men out there. Um, that they can grow their families in a uh, spiritual way with with you, Lord. Um, we just pray that as we dig into Galatians, it opens our eyes and opens our mind uh, to not only you know critique in our life, but the grace that you have for us, Lord. Um, we ask that there's no condemnation in what we're what we're reading, but only conviction into how we need you and we love you. Uh, I just want to thank you for this time that we have, and we just pray your blessings over the listeners and over uh, the guys here at this table. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as long as the tech holds out, I think this is going to be pretty awesome. So uh, I was trying to think while we were going into this, why did we pick Galatians first? Because I, for the life of me, because so I got all of us together. So guys, there's going to be some people in some future episodes that are going to be a part of this. Like, do we remember, does anybody remember why we picked Galatians? I was pushing. I, I, oh. I do. Uh, Galatians, the letter to Galatians is to me really the bedrock of your faith and your doctrine. If you understand Galatians and what Paul is trying to get across, like all the other doctrines that you believe will, will be in line. If you, if you get that wrong, like you're going to be spinning your wheels for no reason. So like it is, it is the bedrock of faith in my opinion. Luther called it his wife. Yeah, he like, did. It was so, just Katie. Yeah. Like, so it was that important to a guy like Luther. It should be that important to us. One with this, or go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I was just saying, you know, when you look at Galatians, I mean, this is at the foundation. What is the gospel? Yeah. You know, how do we talk about the gospel? How do we preach the gospel? You know, and when we look at the Galatians, the Galatians are looking at grace and, you know, and so this gives us a good idea, a good foundation on how do we take the gospel to the people? Well, and Ryan, one thing that I think is awesome about that is like when we get to Galatians 2 here, we, we're going to be covering Galatians 1 right now. There's so much packed into like a few verses at a time where we could spend all of our time getting into this. And this may be a good time for me to mention like, guys, this is not an exhaustive look in the next hour or so of Galatians 1. Obviously, we're going to be scratching the surface. The intention is for you to dig into the scripture yourself, for you to come along on this journey with us. But just to kind of set the stage for Galatians, like everybody pretty much agrees this was written by Paul, uh, written somewhere between 49 AD and 55 AD more people are on the 49 side than the 55 side. But I guess uh, I, this is one of Paul's earliest writings, but the, the main theme, if I could justify and say the main theme is justification by grace through faith. That is the theme of Galatians. But, and, and we're not going to read the entire Bible guys. So if you're, if you haven't read it yourself, some of this is going to seem a little bit weird, but just kind of kick off our discussion. Uh, the very first verse of Galatians one. So Galatians one, one, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So there, there's your statement of the gospel from the very beginning. But I wrote in my notes, because I have a little note Bible, I underlined, not from men nor through man. Okay? It is crazy how fast we get to that, though. So all of us kind of came to, came to Christ in a different way at a different time. But we, we all get there to whether it's like five minutes from then or 10 years from then where it's like, okay. Yeah, grace. Yeah, grace through faith and, and the, you know, the resurrection and all that, but all this other stuff. And so, like, right from the beginning, it's like, it's, it's the easy gospel versus the hard gospel, right? So the easy gospel is Christ died. There's nothing I can do. Like, it is what it is. I just have to accept it. Sorry, Calvinist. But it's like, I just have to do that one step of accepting it. Yeah, I'm throwing, I'm throwing it out there. From we'll the get to beginning. that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But that, <laughs> guys, just for me, just kind of kick this off. I was like, Okay, not through man. Like nothing that I can do, nothing that your favorite pastor or anybody can throw out there or your favorite commentary is going to change how easy the gospel is. So uh, the, here's the thing that I have. You say through man, yeah. right? What are you? Uh, I don't identify as anything. Uh, what, what, where, a, what are you getting at? You're a man. So this is like the Calvinist message. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, from, <laughs> Here we go. Right from the beginning. I was hoping it wouldn't devolve from the it. very, very you beginning. But here, I did start it. You started it. 13 minutes. Okay. But all right. But like, but like, that's the thing that's very interesting is yeah. where the, the, the gospel message, whether you accept it more from a Calvinist point of view or an Armenian point of view yeah. or something like that, the overall thing is, is like, dude, it's not, it's not 
you, like you're not the main reason yes. why this is going down. Yeah. Well, when you look at that through, through Jesus Christ and through God the Father, I mean, you kind of reverse back to verse 17 when uh, Paul was in the desert. So Paul will, Paul will talk about he was in the desert. He didn't learn the gospel from man. Mm-hmm. He learned the gospel from Jesus Christ himself while he was in the desert. Yeah, I think he's very specific about like he yeah. says, I didn't really see anybody. Yeah. Like I didn't talk to the original apostles. Yep. I went on and yep. I learned through revelation, through Christ. So everybody can hop in at any point. And see, like, <laughs> we can't have just, dead air. Just, I'm just, like, well, look, that's why there's three other people on this. Is so that no one well, looks at me like, oh, what I mean, say? so yeah, he's, he's right in that, you know, like he, he didn't talk to Peter who was also be known as Caiaphas through this thing. He didn't James, the brother Cephas. of Jesus. Was it Cephas? I said Caiaphas. Caiaphas is yeah, you, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. I know. It's, and it's we're going to keep, we're yeah. actually going to start keeping track of mess ups. Harris only on the Calvinist. Yeah. yeah. But no, we're not going to count ours. Like we'll count ours as one category and then yeah. you have your own. Cause you're I'm clearly going to mess yeah. up more than anybody I'm else. I'm going to have that jar where we'll order the pizza. Well, the times I mess up. So the the interesting about this though, is, um, even to set the stage a little bit further, like the Judaizers right now in Galatia are causing a lot of issues because they're trying to do gospel and, and Peter Cephas, or what we can call him Caiaphas. We can just call him whatever. Caiaphas Um, was the other (laughs) rabbi who killed Jesus. But like they, they bought into it and it's like, Peter, you bought into this. Like how, and I just. I don't really have an answer. I'd love to hear kind of y'all's perspective on it. Like why, why is Peter the one that's like, of all the people, like you're, you're supposed to be the rock. Right. And like, you're the one that bought into this, to this lie that you need to add a bunch of extra stuff. Tradition. Yeah, yeah exactly. A tradition or, you know, people pleaser. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I was actually looking to see timeline wise. Maybe you guys know um, when Cornelius, you know, had his vision and then went to Peter um, and Peter, you know, and had his vision about eating unclean things, you know, the sheet and all that sort of thing. And then whenever he, um, he, he did his thing that re- required rebuke, I know we'll get to that later on, but uh, yeah, it was interesting to me. I was just wondering if there was a timeline thing. Like, uh, I mean, Peter obviously knew that uh, the Gentiles were being reached. So well, I think what comes down to it though, is you look at Peter, what was Peter's whole goal? It was, his was to bring the Jews to Christ, you know, and Paul was to bring the Gentiles to Christ. So if, if I don't have enough faith in how the gospel is supposed to reach other people, I'm going to start the gospel and, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can I bring these other people on? I mean, we're seeing it in the church today. You know, it's not, Hey, we're afraid to talk about the gospel. Let's do the gospel and. And so I think for Peter, it's like, Hey, if I join in with these guys and kind of talk about our traditions, this is going to really bring them into the gospel. It's like pragmatism before it ever started, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that's what, Peter, why Peter was able to jump on that ship a little bit easier. One, it was his tradition. And two, it's like, hey, this is how I can probably try to bring people to the gospel. I think that's a good point. We are, we are a people of and then. Like, yeah. and, and what else? What else can I do? Like, what else is there? And it's not, we, we're not satisfied with just, it's just grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're justified. You don't have to do, you can't do anything to be justified. But we want that extra. And I, I mean, you see that throughout the, the story of the Bible, like we are a people that is, and then right. oh, what's next. Well, so we want Matt, that control. Yeah, absolutely. We want the control. And Matt, like, so when you get into, uh, verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. And so the funny thing about that is like, okay, we're, we're all kind of talking about gospel plus right? And that's not the gospel that you pay like eight bucks a month and get extra stuff. Like, that's just like, we're, that's like more things adding to the gospel. But like right from the beginning, he, he kind of disabuses us of that from the beginning. It's like, no, 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 this is a different gospel yeah. as in that. That's not the gospel. And like for the life of me, as many times I've read Galatians, I don't ever remember reading. Not that there is another one. Like that's kind of like a sarcastic shot at the Judaizers mm-hmm. in this yeah. letter to be mm-hmm. like, not that there's another one by the way, which I, I felt like that was interesting. So it's not gospel and it's different gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we deal with uh, different gospels today, you know, yeah. prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. consumer gospel, and the list, list goes on. I mean, it's Well, I think that's an important distinction to make because it's not, it's not a, this isn't some flippant thing. If you're adding things to the gospel, like you, that is a false gospel, that you're sending mm-hmm. people to hell, you're condemning people to, it, it, I mean, James talks about like, if you want to keep the whole law, you got to keep the whole, if you mess up once, like you, you are guilty of not keeping the whole law. Mm-hmm. And so we get, we get to a place where 
it's not it's not just this thing that can be flippantly ah well you know it's just grace plus and you're right so he he's very like harsh in no this is false this is a false teaching and I think he's on fire right now because that's the shortest greeting I've ever seen from Paul <laughs> yeah it is, it is, you know what I'm saying like he's like he's like hey nice to see you guys man I'm really astonished yeah. that you guys have done this <laughs> right. you know yeah. like it's like, almost it, obligatory his greeting yeah. is like okay I have to write this yeah. or he or he would have just started with I am astonished that you guys are doing we'll this we'll go back I think it was chapter four and he's like i wish i was there with you so i'd have a different type of like mindset or way that i'm talking to you i would be more loving because i think he's just on fire right now well and so i, I wonder and, and again we'll get more into galatians 2 galatians 2 is is you know worth the price of admission for this entire book in my in my opinion but i wonder if it's almost like because all of us in guys if you're wondering none of us are professional christians none of us work at churches like we're not theologians none of us have our mdivs or anything like that so we're just regular dudes so we've all had different experiences with management either being in management or being under someone else's management this almost feels like paul is like all right peter like this is all good to go we all understood the assignment and then all of a sudden, it's like, have you ever had a team that you kind of let do something and then you show up and you're like, this is not even close. This is not even in the neighborhood of what I thought that we were going to be pulling off. And so it almost feels like that to where I wonder if Paul feels a little bit of like personal slight or if he's, you know, I'm, I'm anyway, I don't really think that because it's like, he's so, he's so like desperate for the gospel message to get out clearly. But yeah, I think there is a personal slight he feels because he goes in and talks about in this chapter, like how he's an apostle. And what he's done like he goes into his credentials to like prove who he is so i think there is a personal slight where he's like how are you guys not listening to me i've done this i've done this i've i've been the jew who went and killed christians yeah that's verse 13 yeah. the latter part of it is how i persecuted the church of god violently and tried to destroy it so those yeah. are like his his bona fides it's just like yeah, yeah that, that's i'm the guy i'm the guy that tried to do that yeah i'm i'm the i'm the ultimate judaizer you yeah. know and i tried to take this whole thing down and now it's like, I went out into the desert. You know, Christ came to me as I was going to kill more Christians and even blinded me. And then I went out into the desert and I learned from Christ himself, you know. And then I went three years later to Peter and to James and learned under that. And then went out 15 years and did this and that, you know. And he like lays out what he's done apostolically. Well, it's, it's so interesting that he does that because they, they, they obviously knew. They knew who he was. He's like, he's writing to them like after he's been with them. So like, the fact that he felt like he even had to reintroduce himself says a lot about where he's coming from. Because like they, they, they had to know like his story. He used to kill Jews. He used to persecute. And then Jesus stopped him and said, hey, let's turn this thing around. You work for me now. Like they had to know that. So the fact that he's even like giving his credentials says a, just a lot about where he's coming from. Sure. So he's so hot. Well, and I don't, you know, maybe he had his ego hurt a little bit, but it still was always about Christ. You oh, know, of course. Was, you know, mm -hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't about him. Well, I think just, part of it yeah, is, so I, I don't, did somebody say credentialing, like, or maybe I just kind of heard that in my brain. So, okay. So I like with credentialing, no, nah, it, it made, couldn't have been you. There's, there's no way it could have been Ryan. Uh, that, that's your second fault. So I put that on the ticker, but like uh, Eric, with what you do, so you do physical therapy and things like that. And so like everyone kind of has that guy in their life. That's the dude, bro, physical therapist, right? So he listens to Joe Rogan and he watches YouTube videos. And so he can tell you how to fix your elbow and like that. He like that guy, but it's like, it makes sense for a guy like you and your business and your profession to not constantly talk about your credentials. But if you, if someone's challenging your point of view and they have no basis for uh, like, they've blown their knee out, they've, they're post-surgery and they walk in and if they tell you what they need to do to rehab, like at a certain point, you have to kind of be like, all right, if you want to rehab on your own, go for it. Mm -hmm. But you also have to point that back to be like, Hey, I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. Not only did I go, go to school for this, but I've been doing this for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I get those people all the time. I'm like, well, I mean, you can, you can do this on your own or, or not. I mean, when somebody's calling the body part something that's actually not a body part, I'm like, <laughs> maybe you should go back to Google and try again. Well, so the interesting thing about that is the importance of the message and people getting it right is such that you wouldn't just leave people to their own devices here. So Hardell Moore, who's, who's a friend of mine, he's a, he's a legendary wrestling coach around here. He's been on the podcast before, but he will have parents at tournaments at wrestling tournaments. Again, this is a guy that it was a national runner up, you know, multi-time all American at Oklahoma state, you know, one of the best you know, wrestling programs, the best wrestling program uh, collegiately of all time. And he will have dads who didn't wrestle. 
that will be yelling things at their son in the middle of the match over Hardell, who's coaching them, telling them what they need to do in order to score, in order to win, all that. And multiple times, I know that he's done this, he will get up from his chair and say, Dad, go ahead and have a seat. And he will sit back in the back and he will let Dad coach. And that's a learning lesson not only for the kid, but also for the dad to be like, look, you put them in this program so that they could be coached. If you want to be your kid's coach and his coach only, go for it. But in, in this scenario with Paul, it's like there's too much on the line in this, not just the city of Galatia, but the entire Mediterranean rim for him to just be like, yeah, yeah, okay. Y'all figure it out. Do what you want. Yeah. And I, I think as a sidebar, <clears throat> sometimes we feel like that Christianity is too basic and it's almost like we need to reinvent it and like, mm. let's put a different little spin on it or whatever, you know, I'm, I help my nine-year-old in baseball. And so uh, all the guys think that I'm just an amazing pitcher. I was never a really amazing pitcher at all. In fact, I was more of a catcher than anything, but they want me to help teach pitching. And so <clears throat> I can feel it. I can feel that some of the dads want me to teach other things. I'm like, look, step towards the plate you know, keep your eyes on the catcher's mitt and just release here. That's it. Let's not make it more complicated. Yeah. And I think sometimes we make it more complicated and we, we start trying to add things to the gospel as if we're trying to like make it more shiny. Oh, for sure. But I think uh, it's like, it goes back to the fundamentals, right? Like we want to run before we can crawl or we want to dunk before we can do a layup. Um, yeah. Like, there's so many things. And I think Paul is, is calling people back to the fundamentals, but yeah, I think that, we're all so egotistical. <laughs> we think we can do it better than, oh, yeah. than, than people who've been doing it for a long time or better than what God says. So Yeah, or if you're living for man and not for God, then you're, you're apt to try to do things to appease man, you know, right. get their attention, um, get their listening ear. That's well, exactly what the Judaizers are doing. They're trying right. to please man. Well, and, and that really goes into, like, of all the stuff in Galatians 1, for me personally, verse 10 is kind of that, like, gut check verse for me. So it's, for am I now, and I'm reading from the ESV, anybody that didn't remember, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Fire. Yeah, and dude, like, I, again, there's so many things. Like, this, guys, this is just kind of a sidebar on reading the Bible again. Maybe you read the entire Bible when you first got saved. Maybe you kind of just listen to what your pastor says. Or maybe you go to one of those churches where you get two or three verses and then you get 45 minutes of life lessons. Like, if you forget in, to dig in, like, I don't remember the last time someone did a, a study or, a, or an entire sermon on Galatians 1.10. But that right there... That's the gut check for me. That's why I highlighted it in yellow. That's the, hey, Kyle, you need to make sure you remember this for the rest of your life because it's like almost everything that I do, even if you say you're not trying to do stuff for people, because I say all the time about my show, it's like, look, I post and ghost uh, on social media. I don't, I don't go into the comments because nobody has the right to argue with me in my comment section. I'm not posting for you. I'm posting for someone else. But at the end of the day, that's actually not true because I'm posting for the people in my audience that will like it. Right. I'm saying things on my show, whether a lot of people agree with it or very few people agree with it. I'm ultimately looking not for the audience of one. I'm looking for the audience of whoever's going to be a fan of Undaunted Life for the donors, for, for the different things like that. But right there, it's like, who am I seeking, seeking the approval of? Because if I, if I orient myself around trying to please God with the words that I say, that's going to lead to some men liking it and some men not liking it, but it's not going to matter at the end of the day. So I don't know about for you guys, but verse 10 was like big gut check for me. I mean, I grew up, like I said, in a legalistic household. So it was all about doing the right thing. And then I went to a moralist church uh, just really close to home. And they, uh, one thing that like kind of gut checked me from that pastor and made me want to go and look into the Bible and, and look at what I'm, what I'm learning from this guy who tells us to never look into the Bible really. He goes, if you want to get close to God, you want to get close to Jesus, go out and do something for someone. And I'm like, nice thought. You know what I'm saying? Like, really great thought. I went out and did it. But all I felt was the goodness of myself for going and doing something for somebody else. And so then I, you know, you go and read something like Galatians. I'm not seeking the approval of man. I'm not seeking the approval of like, all right, somebody thinks I'm a nice person. You know, I'm justified by grace alone. And so that's where it kind of, you know, I started digging deep into my Bible and, and seeing this more moralistic path of this church. And I was like, that's just not where I, I, I see the gospel headed. So Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with doing stuff for your neighbor, right? No, like, that's of course. Right. Like, that's yeah. a really good thing. But, but like, I think, I think it's important to dig into the word. And I, I'm like, Kyle, I've, I've had times in my life where I didn't read the book, the Bible at all. Right. But I think we live in a time that's, that's similar to 
right before the Reformation in the fact that we have access to the Bible, but we have all these pastors and churches saying, hey, get it from me. You don't need to read the Bible. We're not keeping you from, we're not holding the Bible away from you, but we're telling you, I'm an expert enough. You don't need to look into it. And so it's so important to get in and dig in for yourself. And like, I can't count how many times I'll come back and read the same passage and go, oh man, I did not get that before. Well, and I wonder, so you bring up some of those churches and I, I've obviously talked about it a lot on, on my show and I've, I've tried to be a little bit more measured, you know, thanks to Joby Martin from uh, the church of 1122 down in Florida to be a little bit more precise in my language about the types of churches, because just because it's a big church doesn't mean it's a church that's not focused on discipleship and on, you know, making sure that people are doing the right things. But on that last part, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. My fear though, for a lot of churches is that they're especially in the seeker sensitive model is they're mm-hmm. trying to please man but they're trying to get people that hate them to want to come but they'll still hate them and so they're trying to make the church palatable for people that hate church and people that hate god and all that and again that's a seeker sensitive model but they're they're not serving the flock of people that want to be there that want to be disciple that want to be you know helped out, I guess. And they're, they're basically ignoring all that so that they can please man so that they can, the first song of the set is kind of the secular song, right? So that everybody kind of feels comfortable. You know, they never really challenge or push too hard because if they do that, they know these people aren't going to come back. And again, they can always kind of default back to the, oh, well, we're seeker sensitive. And it's like, I just don't know if I'm down with that. I know we all come from different backgrounds and kind of have different opinions on that. But that last little part, it's like, look, if the number one thing you're trying to do is to serve man, and that's causing you to not preach the gospel every Sunday, and that's causing you not to call people out for their sin, it's like, dude, you are not serving Christ. Like, you are serving yourself. And like, that's that's probably why I get so fired up about it. I'm, I'm glad I have more precise language because I, I really think that that is important so that, you know, everyone doesn't just kind of get put in that same broad category. But man, like, that's got to be a convicting message for any of these guys that are actually paying attention. You remember when uh, remember when Jesus was talking about um, unless you uh, eat my body and drink my blood, you cannot be a part of me. He has a whole yeah, John sermon. six. Yeah, and uh, you know what happens immediately after that, and then it says, and many of his disciples turned away and left and stopped following him. Mm-hmm. And then he has this discussion with his disciples, and he's like, "Are you guys going to leave too?" Um, but what was what was interesting is he didn't. You don't see in the next section him going, "Okay, guys." We need to rethink how we're presenting yeah. this <laughs> yeah, so that these people don't leave. No, he didn't care. Yeah. He did not care. He, I mean, he cares about the truth and that was it, you know, and he's just going to keep pushing truth. But Eric, people constantly will bring that up. Well, they won't bring that up because their paradigm for who Jesus was is he always loved the sinner and he always made the sinner feel good and he always did those things. But if you actually read the gospels, if you actually read them, there were so many times like, Dude, like how many of you, like I've said some pretty inflammatory things, but I've never had somebody try to throw me off a cliff because of something that I said, because they were so angry at something that I said. Like, you know, that's, that's just the thing. Like Jesus was constantly doing and saying things that didn't just, you know, make the religious elites of the day mad. Cause that's the other thing people like to say is like, oh, well, you know, he wasn't, you know, railing against the government. You know, he was, he was railing against the religious elites for, you know, so we shouldn't be in the culture war, right? Because, you know, that doesn't really matter as much. What really matters is the hearts of people. It's like, bro, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, that was the government and the religious elites of that area, right? Mm-hmm. Just because they were under mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the guys or the thumb of the Roman empire doesn't mean that they weren't the ones that were running the show. And so, but everyone loves to present Jesus as the guy that's only worried about making you feel good to bring you close, but you're exactly right. Like how many times that's just one example of him being like, it is what it is. Like, that's what he could have said. It just kind of, it is what it is guys. Look at the rich, rich, young, rich, young ruler, Yeah, you know? And he like, Hey Lord, what can I do? You know? Uh, well you can, uh, have you done these commandments? Yeah. I've lived them all. Like, all right. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody's fulfilled the law. Only one person's fulfilled the law. That's Christ. And so he's like, well, what else can I do? Well, sell your stuff and come follow me. And the guy's like, no. Jesus didn't like, hey, man, just, just okay. kidding. Yeah. You got 95% don't worry, of it. Yeah, don't worry yeah. about it. Just least, give a little bit away. All your works are really good, yeah. man. So you just don't come and follow me. He's like, no, he wanted him to sacrifice. He yeah. wanted him to give up. Well, I, know? Think, I think that who you serve matters. And I think, I mean, he echoes that again in, uh, I mean, if you think Jesus is just a hippie dude that wants everybody to like him, read, read Revelation. Yeah. When he's talking to the churches and he says, I, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Les, Les Sophia or something, 
the that's church. one check for you. Bang. Uh, dang it. Oh, yeah. uh, so he's, he's talking like, if you are lukewarm, you are neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth because you are Christian in name only. You are, yeah. you are saying you're following me, but you're really not. So like he echoes that. I'm going to push back on that. Quite a few times. Let's go. The context on that. Okay. So it's the church of Laodicea. Oh. So Laodicea? I was, I was Laodicea. not even, I say Dosha. I was not so. even close. You say right. tomato, you're I say wrong, tomato. You're wrong. I'm clearly right. It's Laodicea. But so, yeah, let's go ahead. Laodicea. Let's go, let's go push well, there, back. So if you look at Laodicea, it was a rich city in yeah. the middle of like Asia, is Asia Minor, I believe. Um, and there's a city above them and a city below them. The city above them had really good hot water. The city below them had really good cold water, but their water was losing. Yeah. And even through all their riches and everything, their water still sucked. That was like the context of that. Mm. Sure. Of that. And we use that in that term sometimes, but sometimes that, that context is not in the way of like, there's lukewarm Christians and there's hot Christians and there's cold Christians. Like, at least from the context that I've read. Interesting. So, yeah, because I, I, I actually did a, we, back in our Sunday school, I actually did a study on that. You okay. Know, it's like, what are some words, what are some verses that we take out of context? Interesting. So yeah. I, like that, my, my study Bible specifically talks about that. So that's kind of where I got really, that from. That, so. Whose study it Bible is, it is, is correct? Is it, is it Beth Moore's study Bible? Oh, boy. <laughs> it is not. It is, it is not we a made Beth it 30 Moore. minutes without Beth Moore sneaking in. Oh, she'll come in Galatians 3.28. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, it's, uh, uh, I'd love to dig in with that. I would like to dig like, in with you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because I want to see that's, what that one no, says. That's, that's good stuff. I like that. So. Okay, so let, let's kind of talk a little bit more about that specifically, because then we start getting into exegesis and eisegesis, right. and everyone, you know, so exegesis is you're basically elucidating what's actually in there in the text, and eisegeting is like where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to put stuff in there, uh, you know, basically to back into my argument or something like that. Um, I wonder, because I, I forget what, I just read it this week, but I've already forgotten. Um, it was basically like, don't add anything to the scripture that's, that's not already there like you know like just take what is there in the scripture but i wonder if that's still an important application though matt because you know people will talk about this you know you're a rhino right in the political context you're a republican in name only right so you're you're mitt romney you know you basically just have that on your card you've got the elephant on your logo but you're just going to do whatever you want you're going to pretend to be moderate but you're actually going to caucus with the democrats when it's convenient like whatever the thing is like that's easy to understand in the political context on the republican side democratic side they don't really have like uh, the same corollary but i think that is very very important because it's like in the christian walk like it's way easier to define how to help somebody if they're hot or cold when they're in the mushy middle when they're kind of giving a mealy mouth a pastor giving some sort of mealy mouth sermon you're like i don't exactly know how to apply that it's like trying to you know grab a fistful of water or nail jello to the wall because it's like there's no substance to kind of what's being said so i wonder if that's still a good application for what we see especially if you read the gospel accounts because jesus didn't seem to be very accepting of people being in the middle yeah, Am well, I, yeah that's true. no yeah. you just said the rich ruler you know yeah. it's yeah. like yeah. I, I, he wanted you to be all in, not 95%, yeah. or 90, yeah. no, Don't 99%. Yeah. Like, get in. We wanted you all in. Um, so, your faith, I, your faith yeah. all in. So, one thing, so this is not, obviously, we're talking about Galatians 1. This isn't about the rich young ruler, which the funny thing about that is the only way that we know that he's the rich young ruler, like in three different gospels, he's described as one, he's described as rich. One is he's described as young and one is he's described as a ruler. So that's kind of interesting that we kind of put all those together and just say rich young ruler. But I, I wonder if he thought Jesus was going to ask him for a donation, right? Because like that was where he was most like mm. ready to serve, mm -hmm. right? Because I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, when I, when I do the abortion presentation and I talk about people going and uh, volunteering or something like that at a local pregnancy resource center, it's like, some of you have a lot of time. Some of you have a lot of money. Some of you have both. None of you have neither. And so it's like, figure out which one that is for you. But it's almost like he, again, I'm, I'm imputing something. I'm, I'm reading something in the scripture that's not there. I'm just, I'm curious y'all's thought on it. Because whenever I look at that story, it's like, I wonder if he's like, let me know what I need to do. And Jesus is going to be like, hey, you know, let, let's make a sizable donation so that we can keep this ministry going for the next 30 days. Like it's that email you get from, you know, the nonprofits that are like, oh, you know, really struggling this month. It would really be great if we got 10 more donors, like that type of a thing. But then whenever Jesus said what he said, no, 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 I require it all. Not, not a large percentage, not, not a decent amount, not enough to serve us, but he's trying to serve you. Jesus in that moment, it's like, look, I need you to give me everything because if you don't give me everything, you get nothing kind of a thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess he could have given a donation and then followed him. Yeah, which is what he required. Right. You know, then yeah. <laughs> he lived in the riches, so to speak. Could have been the new Air One every fall and spring, you know, get yeah. that donation thing going. 
Yeah, shout out so. to Air One. Uh, so, guys, we are not sponsored by Air One. You, like, you're sneaking in Beth Moore, uh, you know, commentaries. You're sneaking in Air One. Guys, he's got nefarious This is who I work here. for. So, no. so, so I kind of brought up, uh, you know, the abortion thing and the pro-life thing. So there was a surprising kind of echo of the pro-life cause here in Galatians 1 as well. So uh, Galatians 1.15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. So that's another example to where it's like, okay, if you're pointing towards the, the pro-life cause, obviously there are things that God has for you and has for your life that he set in motion before you were born, which is to imply in the womb, which is to imply that there's something in there that is important, that requires our protection, that that requires us to think about. Like we don't look at them as a non-entity mm-hmm. when we're in the womb, but extrapolate, and y'all can take that wherever you want to go with it, but extrapolate that all the way out to what he's doing right now. Like again, but when he had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, he's talking about his current job, right? Mm -hmm. He set Paul apart to do what he's doing right now, which is currently getting in the face of Peter, Cephas, or Caiaphas, and, you know, pushing back on the, on the Judaizers, right? And so like with, with what he's doing with Peter, it's like God preordained, if you will, like what is happening in that exact moment. And that was set in motion before you were even born. I mean, that's, that's convicting for me. Just like, I know a lot of guys that are kind of in that consternation part of their career. Like, am I doing what God wants me to do? Or am I just doing what's making the most amount of money or or whatever thing like that is. But it's like, dude, like there were plans for you that were set forth way before anyone knew what you looked like. Well, I think he also like right before that, he's talking about like, he's talking about what he was doing before. Like, so even he couldn't mess that up. Even he couldn't like, take over what God had already planned for his life. Like he was literally killing Christians and he was, he couldn't even overcome what God had set forth for him. Well, was that part of God's plan for him to be killing Christians? I, I know somebody's going to be asking that question. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, <clears throat> I, th- I think, yeah, because God is sovereign. <laughs> <clears throat> well, does that get into a discussion? That's an important point, Eric, because like, does that get into a discussion of God's perfect will versus God's realized will? And so it's like, you know, on Sermon on the, on the, on the Mount, whenever they're like, Hey, how do we pray? And it's like, you know, uh, when he's, when he's, Jesus is teaching the apostles and the rest of the disciples how to pray, it's like, pray that, you know, God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Implicit in that is that God's will is not always done on this planet. Again, a lot of people would quibble with that. You know, there, there's a whole lot more that you can unravel with that, you know, theology. But it's like, did, did God want that to happen so that he could have the bona fides whenever he's doing all these other things? Or did God just work everything, you know, according to his purpose and work everything towards good in that moment? Because I can't imagine that you could say that God would want, you know, the, the raping and slaughter of innocence so that later it could end up being really nice scripture. But it's like, you know, God's going to weave whatever you meant for bad for good. Like, again, that can go a lot of different ways. So I'm just curious how you guys think about it. It's sin. Sin entered the world through Adam. So now God's working through a world that used to be perfect before sin. And now we're working through a world with sin. And so, you know, it's like, look at the story of Job. You know, Job was a blameless man who didn't really do anything wrong, but the devil was still able to wreak havoc on his life and take his health and take his family. You know, God didn't say, hey, I want you to go and do this stuff to Job. He said, do what you want with Job. Job is always going to follow me, you know. And so sin is in this world. There's, you know, we get into Daniel and Daniel gets into the spiritual realm of, you know, demons and uh, princes within regions and stuff like that. So, you know, I feel like, like what you said is, you know, these things are happening and God uses it towards his glory. So, you know, the uh, slaughter of Christians happened, but God used it towards his glory with Paul, you know, saying, you know, this guy slaughtered Christians. Now look at it. He's preaching my message, you know. So it takes it a step further. So what evil, what, what the devil plans for evil, God makes for good. And so that's how I look at his sovereignty in regards to all this stuff going on. Well, Eric, you brought it up. So what's your read on it? No, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I think God can redeem and does redeem all situations, you know, even when they're terrible and it, uh, that does not make it, you know, for those that maybe are listening just any easier in the present, if you're going through something that's hard right now, but but God is able to turn that into something good. And I, and, and, and just like when you brought up this kind of, kind of this whole thing about the rich young ruler and you know, what the ruler may have been thinking. I mean, Jesus rarely answered or responded to people in ways that they thought they were 
you know, it's mm-hmm. always, it was always a little bit different. So I think even how God redeems a situation uh, for himself and makes it good may not look like we think it should. We might, may not think it can be good at all, but he, but we he may not even see the good. And I think that's right. the important sure. thing to yeah. understand too, is like, it may not even be on this side of, of eternity for us, but God is sovereign and God's going to do what he wants. Yep. And we don't get to say when it happens or doesn't. So I think that's, that's a hard thing to get, a hard place to get to. But. Well, and Matt, a good thing that I, I try to, you know, remind people is, so let's say you share the gospel with somebody or, you know, you do kind of the little thing that I, I try to encourage people to do is like when the server brings you your food and then says, hey, is there anything else I can bring for you guys? That's when you say, hey, we're about to pray over our meal. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? Mm-hmm. I've never had somebody respond negatively. I've had people's, you know, everything from, no, I'm good, all the way up to, Oh my gosh, like my, my grandpa's like dying of cancer and like my family's like, you know, I'm picking up extra shifts to try and see what we can do to cover the bills. Like, I mean, you're going to get those stories, right? But let's say it's one of the, whatever those responses are. And let's say you pray for that person. Let's say you pray over that person, that person, that's it. You leave a tip, you write God bless on the receipt and then you leave. You have no idea what that could set in motion later. And you will likely never know. It's not like you're leaving your phone number and then they're going to find you one day or they're going to write that next bestseller and they're going to name you as the person that like changed their entire life. That might happen. But like that, uh, that's where I think we get into this culture. This is kind of that navel gate, well, not navel gazing, but this narcissistic culture where it's like, you know, you see those guys that do the Instagram videos or the YouTube videos where they like give away money or they bless people, but they're doing it so that they can make more money off of the downloads and off of the, the advertising. And it's like, you know, and maybe that makes me a cynic to where I'm like, Hey, you're not doing that because you really want to help that family. You weren't, you're doing that because you needed content for the week, but that still doesn't change for the Christian. The fact that you are called to do it. Like when you see an old lady whose limbs are falling off of her tree after a storm or something like that, like you don't, take an Instagram live of you cutting them down. So people tell you how awesome you are. Like you just do it. And like, and I'm not fully hating on people that are doing the, you know, the Instagram sure. thing. And like, cause that may encourage people and kind of enlighten them to kind of go and do it themselves. But yeah, I mean, Ryan, you want to hop in? Yeah. Go. I mean, that's just something that I see all the time. And if you look in the Bible, it's, it talks about the people who go out and do their good and want to spread it out for everybody to see. Um, that was one thing that we dealt, we dealt with at that, the other church that we went to was, we would do things for the poor, but then we'd want to be, we wouldn't want to be noticed for doing it. Like, it's kind of weird when you've got News 9 over there, you know what I'm saying? Like, taking yeah. pictures of everybody yeah. while we're packing, you know, food for the poor. Or it's different than if you're on YouTube and you're like, hey, I'm going to give these cheeseburgers out to homeless people as I walk around. It's like, why can't we do that without being noticed? Well, why can't we let God work through that? Yeah, that goes back you know to verse 10, right? Like, yeah. who are you serving? Who are you, who are you doing it for? Like, you don't plant a redwood tree to see it 100 feet tall. Like yeah. we're, we're all, we're all in this garden together. And, uh, one of the best, this is, this comes from, I think this is on your book list. If it's not, then you can mark this down as a, as a, as an heir. Greg Kokel, um, tactics, tactics. Yeah. Like he talks about like 99% of us and the percentage might be wrong too, are, 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 uh, gardeners. We're not harvesters. We all want to harvest. We all want to be the guy that brings that person to Christ. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like, we just need to tend to the garden. Mm-hmm. Just like plant that. the seed, water the flowers and let it go. God's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. You don't, in fact, you probably aren't going to harvest. Yeah. But are you, are you faithful mm-hmm. to just do what you're called to do? Is it, hey, let me pray for you, and then you're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, like, what, it's interesting when you set up something like that, because here earlier, um, you know, this would have been in the, the summer of 2022, I did a speaking engagement at a small town, and after we were done, I, I at the last minute, that afternoon, I threw in kind of an altar call thing towards the end. I just kind of lopped it onto the end of a, a, a ready-made talk that I had. And about 15 guys accepted Christ that night. And my very first thought, and, and I don't know, like, and this is not like, hey, pat me on the back, I'm so virtuous. But my very first thought was, because I immediately turned it over to the pastor. I had those 15 guys come down to the front. And then I had all the other guys that were at the event, you know, gather around those guys to pray. And I had the pastor that was running the church basically do the prayer. I almost grabbed my iPad went to my truck and drove home just to be like, this is not a me thing. Like, this is not like, there was not something special that I did that convinced these men like to do the thing. And it was in that moment. And like, cause I, I was gone in for a little bit. And then I finally walked back into the church and like the people that were running the event thought that I had left, but it's like, what if I had, right? Because I told them from the beginning, I was like, guys, if something great happens here tonight or something like that, guess what? I don't live here. Like y'all are going to be the ones like I typically come in, I speak, I burn it down and I walk away. Y'all have to deal with the ashes. Y'all have to deal with, you know, building these guys back up or or kind of setting them in motion. But it's kind of that thing. Like, what if that didn't happen, Matt? 
what if I just got done with the, the end of my presentation? It just is what it is. And I get my normal handshakes at the end. It's like, does that mean I shouldn't have done it? Does that mean mm-hmm. I failed in some way? Right. But it goes yeah, yeah. right back to dude. Like, that's so great. Like, cause I read tactics again, a, a couple of years ago, but I already forgot that part. Such a great awesome. part. Of that. I think awesome. that's probably one of the biggest things I took from that is like, just be faithful in what you have now in the moment that you have do, do what you think you are called to do. Then you don't, it doesn't have to be right. complicated. And do the maximum with which you were that's equipped. Exactly. exactly. Right. If you do give a hundred percent, what you've got at that moment. And the, and the Bible's clear. It says, you know, that uh, those that do things for in the sight of others because they want their praise, that is the reward. Yeah. Yep. You know, the ones that are doing it in the closet, you know, or yeah. don't, are not looking for that, they have a heavenly reward. Wasn't it yeah. funny about that exactly. as you bring that up? Like, I remember when Tim Tebow was still playing at Florida and he had the, the scripture on his eye black and, you yeah. know, he would pray on the sideline and all that. And it was all these non-Christian pagans in the news that would bring up that scripture to say, like, he shouldn't be praying in public. And, like, I, I always think that's rich whenever yeah. people that don't believe in the Bible will mm-hmm. use the Bible as the nexus of their argument. But there's one other thing, because we're getting kind of close to the end of wrapping up Galatians 1. Well, I, I, want, I want to stop yeah, you yeah, because go ahead, go ahead. I think, like, I'm not a huge Tim Tebow fan, but like we're called to be where our feet are. He didn't put the camera in front of his face. Like he was just acting where he was. He was where God put him. And he he was was going to pray regardless of where the camera was. He was going to pray regardless of where the camera was. Like, I think there's a lot to be said for like, we can't get hung up on, Oh God, there's a camera here. I can't do this. Like be where your feet are and just do it. Can we talk about why you're not a Tim Tebow fan? Like what's wrong with you? (laughs) No, no, no. Like like, I I don't have a problem with Tim Tebow. I'm not, I'm not like a Tim Tebow fanatic. Why do you hate Tim Tebow? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, we'll we'll maybe get into that in the next one. Cause I do, I do want to get to this. Cause I mean, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that you were such a terrible communist, but like, we'll we'll go from there. Like I want to talk about kind of the overall concept of, of owning our past because I I've known, you know, everyone here for a long time, Matt, I've known you the longest, like you, you know, the most about me because you met me when I was 18 years old and just the knucklehead stupid crap that I did and thought and you know he's he's basically seen the the best and worst of me but I think we have this concept well let me read the scripture and then I want to kind of back into it because we talked about a little bit earlier so Galatians 1 13 for you have heard of my former life in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it so Paul is not running from his past as a violent persecutor of of the people of Christ he's bringing that up as an example as to how depraved he is like guys i not only would i was i the ultimate jew like not only was that it i was the i was the ultimate persecutor as well and that is such an incredible thing for us to kind of think through because i know for me personally there were there have been a lot of times in my life where it's like okay if if no one ever brought that up again, that would be awesome. I would really like if everybody ignored that about my past. Now, there are other people that love to revel in their past and they they kind of make that like a, oh yeah, you know, I was like a really cool guy, but then they'll say like, yeah, but that probably wasn't something I should do. But I think it's a very important and powerful tool to point to your your former life, the depraved things that you did and thought, and to to propel that and almost encourage people like, look, you can be like me too. Like you could be a guy that had this depraved past and you could use it. You know, uh, I had Tim Challies on the podcast last year and he talked about, you know, after his son died, you know, he didn't ever choose to be the guy that wanted his, his ministry to be around, you know, a parent that lost a child suddenly. But, you know, when his child died at the age of 20, suddenly he's thrust into that life of, hey, now I am going to be able to minister to people that have lost their children. Like your story and your depravity and the things that you did that sucked, that were awful, that were sinful and evil, that can be used by Christ in, in order to, to redeem somebody else. So I'd, I'd love to kind of get y'all's thoughts on that as we kind of wrap up Galatians 1. Well, I think this is funny because like sometimes I read this and I think of 8 Mile where Eminem literally gets out all of the bad things about him because he knows it's going to come back. And it almost, it almost, and this obviously is not a theological concept, so I didn't get this from a commentary anywhere. I don't want anybody to think that like church guys are saying this, but like he's, he almost it looks like, hey, I'm getting this out there because I don't want anybody to say, oh, but you're a sinner because you did this. I know, and here's what I did. Here are all the things that I did, but, it, but Christ redeemed me anyway. And like I, it, it's kind of like that moment in 8 Mile where he's like, I'm just going to lay it all out there, and then you have nothing to come back on me with. From Tim Tebow to 8 Mile, we've had Beth Moore. We've had it all in <laughs> yeah, this yeah. first episode, guys. Oh, we man. are basically crushing it on this first one. No, that, that's an exact good point. It's like, there's nothing you can say to me that I didn't already just admit to you. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, we're just talking about testimony, right? And everybody has a testimony. I think when I think about some people have a, um, a deeper bottom than others, you know, they, they hit rock bottom way down here. Some people hit it right here. 
uh, but we all have some place that we were that uh, then that God then redeemed us from and saved us from that we can talk about. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I I say that because I you know here here Paul is talking about all this terrible stuff he did, and that's fine. Some people have that those stories, but we all we all have something that we can connect with on some level with someone, regardless of whether it was. I mean, you you said you kind of had like a beige um, conversion. You know, it wasn't like you went and did drugs, ended up in a ditch somewhere. You know? That used to haunt me. I used to think like, oh my gosh, how is God going to use me because I didn't do all of these horrible things? But then yeah. that, that again just goes to, we're taking it away from Christ and we're making it about me. Like, yeah. you could be a really good person by, by people's standards, but you're still a depraved sinner that needs Christ to intervene on your behalf. So, message. Yeah, well, no, like the, the good thing about that as well is I've thought that as well, because I remember there was a guy that, that played for the UCO hockey team. So we, we went to UCO. Oh, I know who you're you talking know, about. I know yeah. exactly who you're talking about. We'll just about. call him by his nickname. His yeah. nickname was Fuchs. And so this was the guy, he was literally brought in to be the guy that fought all the toughest guys on the other team. Like that's how he got a scholarship to go to school because he was really good at fighting. And this guy, he was, he was literally a loose cannon. Like he would get in, in fights at parties. He would, he would get in fights like literally all the time. And so I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. This is early on in, in Kelsey and I's marriage, you know, so I'm, you know, 23 years old or something like that. And I see him like in the produce section at Walmart and we lock eyes and he comes walking right toward me. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what I said or what I did, but it's about to go down by the tomatoes. And like, this is, you know, before I knew how to fight, not, not that it would have made any difference by, by this guy, but this is a guy that came, I think he was from Chicago. He used to gangbang. He used to do all kinds of, of crazy stuff. And he comes up to me and he's got like this twinkle in his eye. He's like, Kyle, I'm so glad I, I, I saw you like, this is, this is so neat. Um, dude, I I accepted Jesus here recently. Like my entire life is, is so unbelievably different. Can I talk to you about it? That's awesome. And I'm just like, wait, what, what? <laughs> and like, so that's the example, Matt, of that's the dude that used to gangbang, that used to get in fights all the time. And Jesus snatched him up from yeah. that life and said, no mas, senor. And like, it was just like, that's not my story. Like I wasn't the guy that literally was dead, you know, with the needle still hanging out of my mm-hmm. vein in my arm. And then I floated over my body and saw my entire life flash before my eyes and then whoop, went right back into my body and changed all that. But that, that makes your, your, your personal testimony more sensational, but it doesn't make it any more useful to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a really, really important thing for all of us, especially if you had a squeaky clean upbringing, if your parents still love each other, all those different things, like you didn't grow up in the gutter and you didn't, you know, do all these different things. You're not prison, Mike. And it's just kind of one of those deals. That's <laughs> very, very important for yeah, the dementors. But like, I think that that's really important for all, all of us to remember is like, it doesn't matter where you came from. God can use all of it. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I mean, I kind of talked about a personal Let's go. Thing. Yeah. Wrap us uh, up. I got a family member dealing with mm-hmm. the throes of addiction and uh, they were getting really deep into drugs, went to the hospital a couple of times near death. And I just gave him a Bible and I hadn't talked to him for a year. I actually just met with him just last week and uh, they've kind of committed their life to Christ and just said, Hey, I appreciate you giving me that Bible. You know, like what laid it on your heart? And I was just like, you were supposed to be dead like at least three times. You know, but God has a plan for your life. You know, you were predestined for something. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, you should be dead. And, but God has you. Your, his glory is going to be seen through you and through your recovery. You know, but you just got to keep your eyes on him. and You got to make him your number one. And there, you know, I, we're getting more into Galatians. We're going to get into freedom, you know, and it, he's going to stumble. You know, I told him, you're going to stumble. But it's being convicted of that stumble and trying to, go back to what Christ has lined up for you. And so, you know, we can all have a squeaky clean, squeaky clean image. Yeah. We can all be in the throes of something, but, you know, he always has a hand out there. I think that's a really powerful story. Like, he, was, he literally should have died. But, like, that's, that is the, the beauty of the gospel. Like, we're all dead. We're all dead. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, some, you can just see it outwardly on more on some people because they have, they have like, drowned in addiction. I'm, I'm, I was dead before Christ found me and said, ah, I got you. Yeah. Like we're all just dead. And we're I think addicted that's, to self. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like, yeah, I'm addicted to myself. Yeah. You know, that's my throes of addiction is what does Ryan want? Yeah. yeah. You know, 
And we're all very, very different. Like we're all depraved in different ways, but depraved we are nonetheless. Yeah, and so I think that's a very important thing. But guys, there's, there's more to say, certainly, but we'll have to leave it there. But come back next Sunday where we'll dig into Galatians 2 and make sure that you read it so that you're prepared for next week. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So the only link I've got for you today is a link to our donation page. I've said this a lot to you guys. The only way that we're able to pull off things like this and do some of the things that we need to do is because we have guys like you out there that are supporting the content that we make. So make sure you go to that link and hop on board. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah <laughs>